You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Little Wing is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. I'm in a period of emotional upheaval. I saw all the, oh, I don't care crap. A little adventure. Where are you going? I'm going to steal a bird from the Russian pigeon mafia. Let's do it. Goes a long way. <laughs> Starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Life can hurt, but life is sweet. Little Wing, Brady PG-13. May be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Broadcast supply worldwide. Thank you so much for sponsoring this podcast and for paying the rent on the studio that I sit in and get to come to every single day. I got their banner on my wall and some of the gear that I got from them in my studio. I think about them all the time and you should too. Uh, They're better than the other online retailers. They offer better support and service. Um, phone, Phone questions, you can ask them anything. They're great. And here's the best part. Anything that you buy from them for your podcasting needs is in the podcast category. You can get 10% off just by using the promo code DOWN. So I hope people are starting to take action and do that. And also, thank you to Joey Sturgis and Joey Sturgis Tones for believing in this show and knowing how to reach people that are into music and audio plugins and things like that. Joey Sturgis Tones makes a bunch of stuff uh, like that. Some audio plugins that are really great and a really good deal. And yes, you can get them extra cheap because you listen to this show. Enter the promo code PODCAST20 when you go to joeysturgistones.com and you'll get 20% off the already great deals on some amazing and original audio plugins and other music creation software. Okay, so I've got Dan Koch back today. He was here last week on Wednesday, and he'll be back next week on Wednesday, and uh, I love talking to Dan. I guess you guys already know who he is, so I won't do a long intro on him. He does a podcast called Depolarize, which you should be listening to, and he's in town, so whenever I can get an in-person interview and have somebody come sit down in the studio with me, uh, it's great. It's more natural, and I, I certainly enjoy it, so Dan came by today, and we did it and published the episode right away, so I'm really getting a kick out of being able to bring you stuff in almost or live and then almost in real time into the podcast feed. It's a, quite a pleasure. Speaking of podcasts, there's a new one that I've, I'm going to recommend that you guys check out. And it's called Poor Taste. It's a new podcast that's on Jabberjaw, jabberjawmedia.com. Find Poor Taste. And it's about cocktails. There is a fella that I was introduced to from a friend of a friend named John Yeager. And he is a professional um, cocktail guy. He designs menus, high-end menus for really specialty stuff. And he knows everything in the world about cocktails. So listen to that show. You'll learn about cocktails and bitters and spirits and their history and it'll be some really impressive it's interesting to listen to and it'll be impressive at parties so go to jabberjawmedia.com and find the poor taste podcast it's a new one over there and then lastly speaking of new podcast there's another one that i have developed uh with my friend toby and my friend aaron lunsford and it's for tooth and nail records and we just put out the teaser episode that podcast is called labeled and it's you know stories and rumors and myths behind tooth and nail records and their history there's some really really good stuff in there i'll probably run the teaser at the end of this episode today i think so you can get a taste of what it is like but it's a 
more highly produced podcasts about some of the you know legends in tooth and nail history, and there is some really good ones. I've had a great time, and I'm glad to finally be able to talk about this podcast. So please go check that out uh, today. And basically, I'm asking you to go sub- subscribe to it so you'll get it uh, as it comes. That would be a lot to me and doesn't cost you anything. So yeah, all right. That's good for now. Let's talk to Dan. Break it down, oh, break it down. 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 Backups. Are we live? All right. Um, okay. So, Dan, you've gotten me to do, you inspire me, I suppose is the way to put it. But <laughs> episode was really good last week and everybody loved it and we got a lot of compliments. I had a great time. But, Thank you. Um, this is what I wanted to talk about initially when I had the idea to have you come in multiple weeks was to get into this book that I have to credit you for getting me to read a book, which is not something I do. Next up, my wife. Yeah. Well, I hate reading. Um, (laughs) Just kidding, honey. I hate reading, and I'm not very good. I don't read the way a normal person reads, but I'm not very good at reading, and I don't read. Yeah. And I associate reading with, like, school and all that stuff. And I think people have a fundamental tension with reading. To me, I even think, surely nobody likes it. That's necessary. There's good stuff in it. It's good information. But surely nobody likes exercising, reading, or writing. That can't be true. No, that's, that's what not... I feel like. But you've gotten me to read a book, and I'm thankful you did. But I think, well, so I don't know. I'm kind of a nerd, but um, you know, and I'm also overweight. But I like exercising sometimes because sometimes. So what I do is I go to the gym, and I, I can't run. It hurts my back. Mm-hmm. I'm just being totally honest here. Mm-hmm. So I'm like 240 pounds. I'm a, I'm six two, but I'm a big yeah. guy, and uh, so I walk uphill at a brisk pace. I throw on my workout playlist, which is almost all like hardcore punk. There's some Emery on there nice. from from those days, and I air drum. And people look at me like I must be the biggest idiot. But air drumming adds, I find, from the heart rate monitor, about 15 yeah. beats per minute. That's clever to my heart rate. And I'm just like, you know, here comes under oath, and I'm just yep. going for it. I look like an idiot, but. When you get into the mode, like once you've been going for 20 minutes or so, I mean, that's really enjoyable. You get that sort of endorphin yeah. high and it's yeah, but, it can be pretty good. But I don't think I don't think that you like reading or exercise. I still maintain that you like what it does for you or you like after it's over. Okay, so that's you know fine. what I mean. Yeah, like maybe it's that's a true. little okay. bit different because you like ice cream and having <laughs> yeah, sex because yeah, they're yeah, great yeah, yeah. and you're doing them sure. and they're you like it. These uh, exercising and reading you like because you are, it's in the past. No, you don't like doing it. Okay, I mean, I know some people. No, disagree reading, that, reading's different. So reading, for me, I, I've ADD, um, probably, and for me, it's like if I can focus on reading, if I can lock in, reading is actually a, a great joy. Mm-hmm. It is like, um, it's like a good cup of coffee looking at a mountain range or. It, mm-hmm. It's it is enjoyable. It's not like maximally pleasurable, but it is great. Like yeah. I I don't think you can. It's different than exercising. So yeah, I'm like oh I have to be moving my yeah. limbs harder than I would, yeah. which creates my heart rate going up, which then feels good. But this is like no to sit here with my book and to 
go through the words and like see what it brings up in my brain, mm-hmm. that is pleasurable. But I just count that as learning. I like learning is my absolute favorite thing. Being stimulated. You can't separate and, that from and, the act of reading. Well, I, I mean, audiobook is one way to to, That's true. to do. I, I like getting the knowledge. I mean, I feel good getting knowledge from things like uh, books as I weigh, but it's one mm. of my least favorite, least efficient ways. And I so, but I like, got you to read this one. Yes. And you, why didn't you listen to the audiobook? I don't know. I just figured out. Well, okay, here's the way I read, though. It's interesting. Like, I can't. I'm a very poor reader. You should hear me trying to read stories to my daughter. Like out loud? Oh, it's... <laughs> it's she's gonna be past me very soon. Yeah, I, yeah. reading out loud is is I'm on a child level, no doubt okay. about it. Like no doubt about it. I wow. Can't, yeah, I just can't. You do just it. stopped trying at age fourteen or something. I just can't. I, mean, I just can't do. I don't know what to st- what to tell you. I just mm. can't really read out loud. I mean, it was probably a third grade level. I'm not not joking you. Wow. But um, but I can read nonfiction and absorb the information in it extremely quickly but i don't even read left to right i just look at paragraphs and take the information from it like I, I read everything by sight i don't sound anything out phonetically or i can't read word i've never seen is like speed reading i don't think i don't know Where i just they, you know, I just you know roll your what fingers to down say. the page or whatever i just know what the paragraph says and the sentences say so i get a lot of stuff wrong but overall i understand sure. yeah. what i get the i know what the person's <laughs> saying very well, because I understand who they are, what the context is, what I think they're trying to say. I so I miss you. words all the time, but I get the meat of it. And so I can I read very fast if I yeah. read by myself, not out loud. So I'll read a book on a flight. If I have a flight and I don't get internet, I knock out a book and get all the information out of it and move on. There must but. be that must be kind of what speed reading is. I mean it's gotta because when you when you start reading a lot or like I'm reading more nonfiction these days uh-huh. and you do kind of notice these tropes that nonfiction authors have to, to use uh-huh. and, and you kind of start skimming over yeah. Yeah, the maybe introduction. I'm just, what people would call and, you know, skimming, I guess. But I feel like I'm getting the information out of it. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. That's what I'm doing. Although, so the, we should say what the book is. It's called mm-hmm. The Righteous Mind mm-hmm. by Jonathan Haidt. Why do they say his name Haidt? H-A-I-D-T. I've heard it, honestly, I've heard Haidt and Haidt. I don't know what's Nobody correct. Nobody would want their name to be Haidt. Well, and then have I don't to, know. So I was. I, I don't, in any I would case, think it'd be hype, but I, I've heard it said both ways. H a i d t. H a i d t. And he is a professor at where is he? I forget. Some university in yeah. the northeast or something. He's yeah. A, but he's a cognitive psychologist mm-hmm. and a, and a social psychologist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that book is about basically how our brains work when it comes mm-hmm. to making arguments and having reasons for beliefs. Mm-hmm. Now, he is in it. the middle of something right now and declined to be on the podcast, but I think only because he is busy. Nice. But it feels like maybe he could come on here sometime, but you'll be the next best thing because you and I have both read his book. <laughs> is what I figure. <laughs> we should have him on with but us. I'd like, dude, I'd yeah. like to have him on sometime, but I think yeah. we're going to talk about stuff in this book this week and next few weeks. There's some just It's just... So fascinating and illuminating look into our brains and how we look at intuition is the big yeah. thing really there. Well, so the the subtitle of the book, it's called The Righteous Mind, Why Good People Are Divided on Politics and Religion, mm-hmm. basically. Yeah. So he's trying to explain you know, the old adage of don't talk about politics or religion at a dinner party. Mm-hmm. And he's like, here's why. That's basically what the book is. Here's why. Here's yeah. why you people say not to talk about those things. Because they go so deeply and they are such good candidates for this explanation of how this part of our brain works. And and so they they relate most with identity because of this and this and this. And so he's just basically explaining that, which uh, 
super know, nonpartisan. It's not, it has nothing to do with anything no. other than how your brain and no, yeah. intuition and cognition work together. And the yeah. central thing in there, the whole everything is framed around his initial analogy and it's what he calls it the elephant and the rider. Yeah, the rider and so the can elephant. You, yeah. You're more up on this than me, but I've okay. consumed the book and love it. But yeah. tell me what elephant and rider is. Okay, so I'm going to use the these two items here. This will be fine for those of you watching on video, but I'll explain it anyway. So, uh, the elephant and the rider is basically a metaphor for how our cognitive systems work in our brain. Mm -hmm. um, and the best way to explain the elephant and the rider would be to explain a previous notion, which is the basically the driver and the automobile. Uh -huh. That's kind of a more classic, so I'll use my watch since it's smaller. So... Driver in the automobile, here I'm the driver, this this bottle cap, and I'm driving this car, which is my watch, and the car is a mechanism. It's a it's a mechanical thing, it's a big machine, mm -hmm. and my brain tells my body what to do. So the rider car is brain and body. That's that's sort of the classic idea. And so on that view, then our brains are sort of like Drivers in, drivers in of the, the body in the seat mechanism. of a of a car of a mechanism, mm -hmm. and when your body when your brain tells your arm to move, your arm moves, and when your brain um, tells your I don't know your legs to run, you run, and maybe when your brain tells your body this is sad, you feel sad, or when your brain mm -hmm. tells your body like whatever, that's kind of the that's like a classic more naive view of what happens. And his view is over and against that view. And he says, no, it's more like a rider and an elephant. So you'll notice the difference between a car and the elephant, <laughs> between the watch and this folded piece yeah. of paper, the piece, piece of paper is bigger. It's we'll a the really whole, big whole paper. Elephant signifies this very big thing. Much bigger, first of yeah. all. And then the second thing it signifies is that it, has momentum of its own. It has its own thoughts. That that is, it's not a car. Yeah, it's not a dead thoughts body. Thoughts would be it's the wrong a, word. It's more like intuitions. Yeah. The elephant has things it chooses and wants to do, and you're simply trying to control them. Yes. So the rider then is what? So the rider is still the brain, and the rider the on brain. top of the elephant is... It's more like... Uh, the brain is more like um, crisis management slash... Uh, PR PR slash yeah. uh, path plotting right mm -hmm. so he describes it like this um, if you're in a car and you see an obstacle coming up you turn the wheel to avoid the obstacle mm -hmm. then the car has momentum like a car would have momentum uh -huh. you'll have to brake you'll have to whatever you'll have to do to steer it but it was because you saw it you turned the wheel and now yeah. the car will react in real life, according to hate, uh, it doesn't work that way. Your elephant, which is your your body, which includes your, it's really kind of it's your part deep of you, it's mind. It's a lot of your brain. Yeah, the, it's, 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 it's not built. mind body. That's that's no, it's a not wrong, mind body. No. It's that there's different parts of your brain that you don't yes. have access to that yeah. are cognitive. They're more your intuition, exactly. or your lower brain. Or so your elephant, things. all of those things has an intuition and then it leans one direction or another. It's making decisions on its own to, to it, essentially. It at least, yeah, or like provisional, yeah. provisional decisions to move towards something. Yeah. And then the brain goes, okay, elephants moving sort of straight left. I got to look out and make sure we don't run yeah. over a cactus yeah. or, and you know. So the elephant is really large and powerful and technically yeah. 
much more powerful in every way than the rider itself. Only the rider happens to know how to control it some and can try to counteract what the elephant wants to do and ultimately can, can with some difficulty in training, control the elephant. Yeah. But at any given moment, whatever the elephant wants to do, it could be done by the elephant. It's a much more powerful force that accounts for much more of what a human is doing at any given moment is what its elephant wants to do. And then yeah. the interface to that is the very prefrontal, you know, higher part of your brain that interfaces with it. And the interesting yeah. about it is he says almost everything that happens happens first on the elephant level. And then yeah. most of what happens, you're simply rationalizing and justifying after the fact. Yeah. So this is kind of the big the big claim of the rider and the elephant analogy is most of our arguments Mm-hmm. And or just say reasons. So someone asks you, you know, why did you vote for Hillary Clinton? Why did you vote for Donald Trump? Or someone asks you, why did you pick this restaurant? We th- we tend to think that we are telling them the reason that yes. we did it. And he would say, sort of, but not really. Not really. Actually, you had an intuition, a movement toward a thing. And then what your cognitive brain is really good at doing is basically providing a defense. Yes. He calls it post hoc as opposed mm-hmm. to pre hoc, I guess. Yeah. Post hoc after the fact. After the fact, you say. The slimy lawyer. Right? Yeah. So this is the slimy lawyer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like we all have this kind of lawyer in our brain that we don't usually realize it's there, but. We think we we have all our reasons sorted out for being a Republican or for being a Christian or for wanting um, to eat the restaurant. Well, let's stay with yeah. the restaurant one for now. Sure. So I want barbecue for lunch. I want barbecue. I'm getting it, and I don't yeah. know where that came from. I saw right. I saw a commercial, or my friend actually, this is what happened. This is today. My friend Brett was mentioned a barbecue restaurant, and inside of me, deeply, I knew that I would be eating barbecue soon. Yeah. There was no thoughts to it. It was my intuition. It's my impulse. Now, somebody comes in the room, you, and I say, yeah. I'd like to get barbecue today. There's this place, and they say they have this, and they have a happy hour like this, and I think maybe you and I should go out to lunch, and here's what, you know, I've been, this is my diet, actually, where it kind of fits in, because here's what, I, none, that's all after the fact. It's not the real reason you want to go. No, I just, I just, I, I found out that I wanted to go, and now, now I'm going to talk about it and rationalize it. <clears throat> Yeah. Now you're gonna you're gonna basically to go, you're gonna pitch it to me because yeah. you're gonna say, hey Dan, yeah. we're gonna get lunch after this, and wouldn't this be a good place for us to go? But you're not, and if, this is kind of obvious in a sense. You're not actually weighing all the places we could no. possibly go and presenting me with the best possible choice. No, I didn't. You already wanted to choices. go. There was a, there was yeah. never a choice. Now for a restaurant, that's fine, of course, right? Because really, we could go to lunch anywhere. But it's still an illusion. It's still an illusion that I think that I rationalized where I wanted to go to lunch. Right, but most so, of the time you're caught in the loop where you don't even know that you didn't think of it, and your justifications aren't the reason. You think I'm smart. I thought about it. I made this decision. Yes, not true. You just made that story up to tell yourself. Well, okay, it's not. It's not quite so black and white mm-hmm. as that. But by default, yes, that is what we do. Mm-hmm. And so it's one thing when we're talking about going to lunch, but. Let's let's throw two things out there and get as polarizing as we possibly can get. If you believe nobody can tell a woman what to do with her body except her own self yeah. regarding abortion, or if you believe biological, human, spiritual, soul-given life clearly starts at the moment of fertilized egg, mm-hmm. if you believe something like that, you will never, you would never assume that you believe that for unconscious reasons. Yes, exactly. You, you would but, not. But you would you say, do. but they're yeah. at least. You most likely entirely believe it for 
un slash subconscious. Well, so this is where we want to. This is where we want to be careful. So some people have done really careful thinking about the question of abortion. Mm-hmm. In fact, probably most people who have written any books on it or whatever have really <clears throat> have really thought carefully about it. When you do think really carefully about things, you are able to sort of overcome the rider elephant scenario. Mm-hmm. But it but it takes time and you and you're not you can never be as sure that you're being objective as you want to be. Yeah, and that bears out just by how many people change their mind on big issues. Almost nobody ever. Some of course some, but you know, it's you just think of it on those really strong issues like a person, a baby, a murder. Is it, uh, those things are like now the elephant or the horse you're riding is like chomping at the bit for some food. Good luck turning around and go the other direction you want to go. Like, yeah, it's you know. so the, the more ingrained I probably the more ingrained these intuitions are uh, the harder it is to turn around. Let, let's use an example, and I, I don't mean to pick on Republicans here, uh, but just saw this poll the other day that when Obama wanted to order strikes on Assad in 2013, mm-hmm. and he went to Congress and asked for approval, 22% of Republicans polled supported the move. Trump did it last week. 88% of Republicans approved of the move. uh uh-huh. Saren was used in 2013. Saren was used in 2017. The situation with Assad and his people is relatively unchanged, mm-hmm. right? You you don't get you didn't get a 66 point swing in GOP approval ratings because the situation on the ground changed. Right. People have a lean. They go, yeah, oh, Obama wants to do something. I don't think we should do it. Obama leaning wants to go to war. No, direction. Trump wants to do this. He's my I was guy. Already leaning that way. I, yeah. Okay. I Deep I agree. Down, my elephant was. Leaning. You got to do something now. Yeah. And and so this sounds really cruel, but I'm not I'm not picking on Republicans. We all do this. Yes, with everything. Everybody does this all the time, mm-hmm. right? So in fact, uh, just to so we can be equal opportunity discriminators, you know, all the rhetoric about how many people Trump wants to deport ignores on the left usually ignores and some people this is not true but many people making those arguments ignore the fact that obama deported more people than any president in history Mm -hmm. now some people say hey here's my article i was speaking up about that as well that's a person who has been consistent but it's not it's just true. It's a true thing that of we course. do. We do, you we shouldn't lean beat yourself up about that that really either. It's the way you're built. So now what the key is is trying to recognize the difference and what's your intuition and how to talk to your elephant and being able to to name that and realize it and harness it kind of thing. And they say decision making is largely intuitive, and that's why people say go with your gut. For instance, I mean they, there's something there that is probably it's not it's not yeah. un, put it this way those intuitive parts of your brain have access to tons of information and data it's just not your me thinking verbally processing you right. it's not dumb it's not even dumb it might be better than your whatever you could research and put in a pros and cons column it might be better information than that yeah it's actual data life experience feeling those are all tools we have in our brain they're not useless they're right. useful for decision making Right. But it's kind of interesting to see how that process really works because we're almost always wrong about if we had to articulate how we are arrived at a particular decision, we're just usually not getting that right. We're saying it's because of our, you know, logic, but it's not. Well, and so here, so here's where it starts to get interesting, and, and in a, in future episodes, we'll get more into 
what is called moral foundations theory, which is which is the the theory that he puts forward, and he's worked out with a couple other psychologists. But the idea is that at a lower level than our conscious arguments, mm-hmm. we have moral intuitions. Moral intuitions. We have yeah. moral intuitions, and these are the things that then our conscious mind sort of gives us arguments for. Seeks and finds. Right. Well, no. So, for instance, uh, libertarians lean really, really heavily on the moral foundation of liberty versus oppression. Uh-huh. So they tend to feel, and when they, they take, they have tests that you can take about this, where you can kind of figure out which moral intuitions you lean on. But a, a libertarian will come out basically feeling like, you know what, most anything is okay, morally okay, as long as it's not forcing someone to do something. Mm-hmm. And then live and let live, right? right. So it's, so then you, you talk to a libertarian and you ask them, why do you think taxes should be lower or whatever? It's not, and then they give you their answer of like, well, you know, the deficit is high and it's whatever. But at, at its core, and sometimes they'll say this to you, at its core, a libertarian feels like fundamentally right. the main basis of right and wrong in the world, the main thing that makes something right or wrong is if you coerced someone to do it or not. This is called the non-aggression principle in mm-hmm. libertarian thought. So then someone says, well, isn't it wrong? Like, isn't it wrong that we don't have a military that can save millions of people from a dictator? They would say, that might seem wrong, but actually, if you really apply this all the time, just don't have that big military. And if everyone did that, it would be a more just society. Now, mm-hmm. I'm personally not I'm not swayed by that argument, but the point just being, it's got that foundation further down of mm-hmm. the main thing that makes something right or wrong is if you are coercing or oppressing yeah, someone. When it feels that way to them. Well, no, I mean, they. you could maybe have a better... You could you could articulate that more clearly of like no when you are actually oppressing somebody whether or not you feel like it no I just mean they they feel that that is wrong they their I think you would want to say um, their moral self whatever part of them is moral is just fundamentally geared that way mm-hmm. it's naturally geared that way it could that can change and one of the things that they get to later in the book and is to sort of help you consider how to. Uh, take more of the moral foundations into account. Mm-hmm. Um, and then especially he talks about sort of like bipartisan conversations where you acknowledge other people's moral foundations and try and bring them into conversation, mm-hmm. but getting ahead of ourselves. Yeah. So the way this applies in a, in a lot of cases is people, it's, it's as if we're hung up trying to make our rationalizations convince somebody like that's what's okay. That's what's so ineffective about it is. Oh, you feel this way about abortion or foreign policy. Now let me use all this lawyer talk in my brain that I tell myself and try to put it. Tell talk to your lawyer about it, who isn't. I mean, that's that's not how you come to a new decision anyway. So it's very ineffective. Yeah. So okay, this is it's very ineffective to I use found my post hoc logic to yep. instigate new decision making for you. So okay, this is what I found so helpful. Which is why I'm fr- so damn frustrated because <laughs> I'm the time. that's yeah. the way my brain I work a little higher in the that way and a little yeah. less intuitive than an average person. So I miss a lot, first of all, which is a bummer. Mm. Um but also it's in, 
incredibly frustrating to feel like you haven't worked out logically and, and not be able to sway people. So, okay, you remember the, the rider and the elephant. Now mm -hmm. imagine two people trying to talk about politics. Yeah. They're not just people. They are two riders on elephants. Yes. Now, what we know from earlier in the program is that we think that the argument that the rider shoots out to the other rider. So my prefrontal cortex makes an argument mm -hmm. that your ears hear and your prefrontal cortex processes as language. As language. Yeah. And then you, and I think you get the words that I'm saying. You should be able to see that this argument is good. But the problem is, that's not how it works. Yeah, and that's what's so funny about just, and this isn't in the book, but that it, all you got to do to disarm that, everybody knows this intuitively, that this argument always works. Yeah, but still, that's what that <laughs> is. It's just, yeah, I heard you, and you're right, and you say, yeah, but still, yeah, and or, it just goes away. Or it you does, say, that, it doesn't penetrate. Like, the abortion <laughs> example is great. Someone says, nobody has a right to my body, and you mm -hmm. go, yeah, but... Uh, unborn children have rights too. And they go, yeah, but you can't tell me what to do for that. Yeah. It's still a part of my body. Right. And you go back and forth ad nauseum. The reason that that gets nowhere is because that's riders yeah. shooting argument arrows at each other, which are not the real reasons. That's not the real reasons. The anyway. real reason you know, is coming up from below, that's right. from the elephant, mm -hmm. and then being coded into language. So if you are a pro-choice person who's trying to convince someone on the, who's pro-life, you have to aim at their elephant, not their rider. Yes. So you have to basically, maybe you won't be able to do this, but you have to convince them that the oppression of a woman's body is morally important and possibly that it's more morally important than say the potential rights or the rights of a potential human being. Right. And vice versa. So if you are a pro-life person and you want to convince a pro-choice person that they're ignoring this thing, you have to convince them that life is sacred, that life has inherent value and that human Until beings are so that. valuable yeah. that even a potential human being is so much more important than nine months of whatever, whatever yeah. right? You have to aim at the elephant. Now that can happen. It's harder. And we, it's a quick, we think it will be so quick. Oh, I'll just tell them my argument. Yeah. I'm going to shoot it back at their rider. They can process yep. it. Not true. Mm -hmm. And so <laughs> you were saying how great this book was for you. I mean, I talk about it like if I was a biologist, this is my origin of species. Like it explains, <laughs> yeah, it explains a lot. political ruptures and, and problems like so yeah. adequately. See, I don't care about any of that stuff, <laughs> but, but, no, but it but explains you, problems I have in my personal life. Okay, me. sure. Or, re because or religion, right? How does my wife not understand? That's what I told her, and I'm right. <laughs> so what's sure, the problem? Yeah, you know? yeah. Because <laughs> right. you know, I've, I, you know, whatever it is, but that's it. Explains a lot of things, and also just for instance, the good persuasive people, or even powerful manipulators, or and body language, all those things often speak to the elephant, and, yes. and whether you're conscious or aware of it or not. Okay, so, so yeah, so so to to. Take it to politics for a second. Oh, you don't. Be you believe that people really make decisions based on their rider, not their elephant. Charisma is ten for ten since in the last ten presidential elections, mm -hmm. which I believe goes back that, to yeah. when they were first televised. And nobody says, JFK. "Why do you like that president? Pre why you want to vote for him for president? He's, He's got so much charisma. Yeah. Of course, I'm going to vote no for him." No one ever says that. Nobody ever says 10 that. For but that's exactly why everybody votes for the person they choose. Well, or goes to his church or, or whatever it is. Yeah, or I mean, you know, maybe the charisma is what part partly what gets you to 
you know, the, the general election yeah. through the primaries sure. and maybe it's what got you to be a senator or a governor and, oh, you know, whatever. Of course, it's, it's op- it operates all the time, but that's an insane stat. The more charismatic of the two candidates has won 10 times in a row. Oh, that's I crazy. I think it would be 100 for 100. I mean, it's, but I don't know, even know how many convicting. presidents we have. Not 100, but yeah. I don't know how many. 45. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's convicting to realize that. And then you go, oh, shit. This is how my brain works too. I'm not above the fray. Oh no, yeah. Even yeah. that's what I'm saying. Even I just thought I was a cognitive person. I realized, oh, like, oh shit, I'm, I'm still way largely intuitive. Yeah. It's even even me, who I didn't think I was that way, and complain that other people are that way. Yeah. No, it completely explains most of my decision making too. You know, I just I like my slimy lawyer part of my brain. I like it. Yes. It works good for me. It's oh gosh, I'm, I'm so good at know. that too. It, um, <laughs> and I'm really good at. So that's the funny thing. One takeaway you could maybe take from this is if you're really good at convincing other people that you're right about something, mm-hmm. then you're also really good at self deception. Oh yeah, that's same token. That I think that's totally true. That's hard. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I want to transition this to. The march, the marches that are coming up this weekend. Okay. So bear with me here. So there's a bunch of people who are going to now be marching. There's two marches in Seattle on Saturday. There's the Tax Day March, and then there's the Black Lives Matter March. Mm -hmm. And these marches are sort of like this collective attempt to convince the nation, right, that that there's a problem. Uh That's probably a good way to describe a march, right? That's a very good way to describe a march. Actually. Yeah, maybe not even I, could. You? I don't even know if I could. I, I don't like. I'm not a march person or protest. I'm not. A, I don't even participate in politics because it seems like it's all meaningless. And when I think of a march, I think, well, that seems absolutely meaningless. Like, I'm good with the freedom. I'm not mad at protesters or marchers, but I always think, what's the point of that? Of course, it's not meaningless because you know, protest helped end the war in Vietnam. I mean, protests are not meaningless in general. Um, they can be more or less effective, mm-hmm. and you can have you have some control over how effective your protest will be, and some of it you don't have control over, and it depends on historical timing and other things that happen in the country or in the mm-hmm. world. But the point being, this is an attempt by, for instance, uh, people who – so I'll be marching f- on for the tax day march, definitely mm-hmm. – I haven't decided yet if I can go to the Black Lives Matter. So, what Matter do we one march well. for on tax day? To so, say tax day what? is Trump release your taxes, and and or Congress write a law for the future that all major party presidential candidates must release their taxes. Didn't they do something where they saw his tax record one year? Not good enough. It was leaked, is partial, and it was for one year, and it said client copy on it. So, as far as we can tell it was leaked by the Trump administration to give a really good year and to, and it doesn't show that many details. So the, the thing that people are worried about with his taxes is not how charitable he is. I mean, that's interesting. Uh, some people want to know how rich he is. That's kind of interesting insofar as I guess if he's lying about it, that what we're gonna do? Something. Find out he's a liar. I mean, yeah, what are you gonna do? <laughs> I mean, oh, we just yeah, found yeah, out yeah, he he uh, is a hyperbolist. Um, the the more pressing question is uh, how deep do his ties go to Russia? You had to fill that out on your taxes. No, but you have to declare, for instance, like for for businesses like Trump's. I mean, if they get huge injections sure. of cash from yeah. Russian banks, uh, for instance, there is a sale. Uh, there's a purchase and a sale of a Florida estate that he bought in the 40 million. So for whatever reason, you're convinced that this is important enough to, yeah. that you're going to participate. Well, let me finish this one. He sold it for 90 million at the middle of, in the middle of the housing crisis to a Russian billionaire. 
So basically, he was given $50 million by some yeah. Russian guy that was not market value yeah. for something he owned. Why? Uh, can And it's not like the taxes will tell you because this. But, but it'll bring up data, the question. Data can be – journalism yeah. can do its thing, right? Yeah. And you can say, oh, this guy actually – is Putin's best friend or this guy actually, you know, whatever. I don't know what it's going to show. It, best case scenario, he releases them and there's nothing untoward. That would mean that a foreign power does not have anything on our president blackmail wise. Mm -hmm. But if they do, the American people need to know that. They do. And if we need to go to President Pence because he's unrelated to that, then go to President Pence and get Trump out of there. I'm not saying it will lead to impeachment. I have no idea. I'm just saying... The tax day march is to say okay. transparency, financial mm -hmm. transparency for the person who leads our country. I think that's nonpartisan. Fair enough. I would love a law for Democrat and Republican candidates to have to release their taxes all Everybody. the way down. Everybody do I'll, it. I'll go all the way to every public citizen too. Yeah, I mean, Just yeah, do it. for big Make office. it all online. Okay, Put it yeah. All Wow. Then you really find out who cares about the poor. Okay, um, let's find out. So, and then there's another march, which is the Black Lives Matter march. Mm -hmm. People are obviously more familiar with that. There's a problem in American institutions of policing, education, sure. and prisons, and we're trying to call attention to that. So, so you're going to participate in both on the same day? I, why are they on the same day? Uh, they were supposed to be combined, and now they're separate. I have no oh idea boy. why. I'm not, Who I don't know, who knows. But So are you doing point, both? I might do both. I mean, if time and energy permitting, I'd like to do both. Um my problem more with doing the Black Lives Matter march is it's less clear what the proposed solution is, mm -hmm. uh, which is not to say it's not a good movement, but the thing I love about the Tax Day march is very specific. Very That's specific. Nice. Yeah, I agree. And it's saying we are raising awareness for this thing, and I will be t carrying an American flag with me. And I think that will rub a few of the liberal protesters the wrong way, but you know what? All right. This is American value. Okay, so how does that relate to elephant? Is that okay. speaking to an elephant? To so now. The protests as a whole are a nationwide argument from it's it's kind of a lot of things it's it's a let, it's a it's an airing of grievances it's a letting off of steam but at its best a protest should be an argument and so a civil argument a civil argument now if the protesters for instance let's just stick with tax day and stay away from the racial okay. <laughs> element as two no, white guys no problem yeah so let's stick with tax day so if Someone from the tax day march gets on to O'Reilly or gets on to CNN or whatever, and they're making the case. They have an opportunity to speak to the other half of America who's not prone to protesting their own candidate's president. Right. Now, when they talk about it, they can do a few things. One, they could say something like— So it would be like if you got to go on, say, on— a O'Reilly factor. Yeah, let's say, say they I interviewed protest me. in Seattle and you get to go on with Bill O'Reilly. Yeah. So here's one thing I could say. I could get up there and I could say, um, unless the president releases his taxes, then the United States government has no authority over me. Right? I could go like far left mm -hmm. and get kind of revolutionary. I don't recognize the authority of the IRS because Trump won't even tell us how much taxes he until you know we're doing a strike until Trump shows his taxes none of us are paying taxes out of solidarity we're going to bankrupt the government now you could say eh, interesting you could imagine some people who might feel that way but do you know what the average conservative person is going to think this person Idiot. wants a free ride yeah. they want to save their own money they're obviously being selfishly motivated and at a deeper level this person does not respect legitimate authority 
the U.S. government and IRS have a legitimate authority over its citizens because they collect taxes, which provide roads, police officers. Yeah. You can't just stop doing that mm -hmm. because you're angry. Now, if I get on instead, they I get would just on the hear program. you as extreme, and therefore not even need to take in what your points were, because of they course would, that's absurd. So I'm not even listening. Is how they would at least probably say in their head. Except you know there are more liberal people who would listen. And go right on, man. Oh, yeah. You spoke truth to power. Yeah, but that's I get right. It. Tell them. Tell them. This will help. We need to get that voice, that message out. Yeah, and, and what are you going to say? Yeah, I don't know. I think it's probably good either way. You know, because if you're looking at the two-dimensional thing there, you're going to say, well, I could go hard and make the strongest possible arguments, or I can make weaker, simpler arguments. Let me think. Better go with the big guns. That's how people think of it. They yeah. think of it as, I know the truth, and you might as well pull out the big guns and say the truest possible thing, mm -hmm. and then fuck them. Let them deal with right. it. I could also, instead of that, I could say this. I could say, you know what? I really value America. I love living in a free society where I don't feel concerned that my liberty uh, will be compromised by my own president or that I can speak mm -hmm. my mind, freedom of the press, freedom of speech. And I think that there is really troubling evidence that our leader may be compromised and maybe he's not and all he yeah. needs to do is release his taxes and then we then then the people can know because you know and I could probably do a better job of framing yeah. it I'm on the fly here but basically because I love America he needs to release his imagine taxes imagine if I go on Bill O'Reilly and I was looking to make that argument I said okay Bill here's the thing I I love America and in fact I've been very surprised at how well President Trump has done with a lot of things. Yeah. I'm shocked, but I agree with many of his decisions. Things are far better than I expected them to be. However, I and a lot of intelligent people seem to be very troubled that there may be even a small chance that there's a compromising tie to Russia. Yeah. And that troubles us to a degree because if it were true, and it probably isn't, and I hope it's not, yeah. they would have implications that I just think are too profound for us not to explore. And we all are hoping yeah. for the best on this. And I assure you, Bill, I will let this go immediately and even even more so trust our president going forward. Yeah. But this is vital and this is very important. Great. You did an even better job than mm -hmm. I did. Now, I don't get booked on O'Reilly. Neither you do say I. That. That's the problem. The point, and they know though, that they want the, the inflammatory guess, which is the yes. really irritating thing. Like they even know that that you know, there's people who know that and how to say that. They're not going to get to be on the show though. No, nope. that's what's horrible about the whole system. Yes, you you might get a guy on public radio kind of talking like that, and maybe mm -hmm. Michael Medved on the right, mm -hmm. but you're not going to get him on Rush Limbaugh right. or O'Reilly, and you're not going to get him on Rachel Maddow. Right, right. So there's. That's unfortunate. But just to bring it back to the book and this idea of the rider and the elephant, if I want to convince, if I'm a person on the left and I want to convince someone on the right or the broader conservative public, I need to speak to their elephant. Mm -hmm. And now when I do speak to their elephant, so let's did say- Did I do that in my I think thing. you did. Yeah. I think you did. But let's say that I start by saying, you know, what I got to say in order to convince them is that I think- legitimate authority should be respected. But I don't really believe that. You know, if I spent enough time with some conservative people, I think I would probably come to believe that legitimate authority should be respected. That's the transformative part when you that, really start okay. thinking about this. That it's really a matter of time, not My a perfectly elephant, articulated persuasion anyway. So you yeah. might start with just trying to persuade somebody, but what you might end up is learning a lot. You walk a mile in their shoes, and all of a sudden you're a better person. Mm -hmm. 
And so that's, that's I'm sure that's true. That's the changing of yeah. the elephant. So the long-term strategy. Oh, here, so your elephant becomes vulnerable. <laughs> yeah, you. That's yeah, the real goal that, in terms of personal yeah. growth. You want your elephant to have to accept new and more complicated mm -hmm. moral intuitions, and that's how ooh, you ooh, slow down there. Now you really hit something that sounds right there. Say that again. The, you the want goal more of this complex is, moral intuitions. Yes, you. If you are a, if you are a pure libertarian, I'll just pick on them today, but we can we'll pick on everybody later in other weeks. If you're a pure libertarian, my hope would be that you would desire that uh, you could respect someone's argument for sanctity of life or mm -hmm. for respect of authority, right? Even when it's not if it's imperfect, but it's more or less just. Yeah. Right. Uh, or, or any of these yeah, sort of yeah. things. It's like, always complexity to be desired, right? So like yeah. what, let's just take an issue like abortion. Do you think if we have more knowledge, more intelligence, more logic, the best minds in the world on it, that it eventually it will become, or any topic, I don't even know if abortion is a good one, but any topic, do you think that it just, simp it just becomes more simple? And less nuanced if we could just really think clearly on it? And uh, almost certainly not. I mean, no. there is a complexity, and you know there's complexity. Yeah. So striving for to make it sim simple is 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 dishonest. I mean, it's just dishonest. And well, you see it is, in yeah. religion, if, if more than anything, like you know, politics me and too. everybody, yeah, both. But you're just great. You like, man, I've been in religious systems before where I was so happy that there are answers, and yeah. I gravitate towards yeah. the one thing that, oh, say, Calvinism, but people say in Christianity that has, man, it has all the answers. So if you're attracted to having certainty and answers. There you go. That's that's your jam. Yeah. yeah. So libertarianism can be that way. Leftism can anything. Anything can be that way. Yeah. Marxism. But it's, but certainly you have to understand if you're moving away from complexity and you think you found something that simply has a bunch of answers and that's clear and it's black and white. You have to be. You you have to know that you're. That's not the right way to go. So this is one it of has the to be uh, more complex than that. So you should be yep. back to your line that I thought was so good is we should be seeking. To have more complex moral intuitions? Yeah. Not, oh, what, oh, I found libertarianism. It solves everything. I'm in. I've, I'm in. Good. Yep. What's, oh, how does it apply to this? Yep, got it. Yep. Not, hmm, if I spend enough time around Republicans and whatever, the Rust Belt, you would com might convince them some, but you would change, and you know it. Yeah, you what, would see their point of view, right. and you would understand it more, and you would be better off for it. And maybe yep. if you both, both parties do that, well, that's... Less am, polarized. Am I, as a person who canvassed for Hillary, do I just want to change the minds of Rust Belt Trump voters, or am I actually willing to be changed by their life experience? Are you? I mean, that's can the you, challenge. Could, could you, I mean, can you answer that? that? Like, is that, I mean, yeah, I, that, my hope is that I'm willing to be changed by them because they've experienced a life different than I uh -huh. have. And that doesn't mean that I will. But they're wrong. Well, I think that they're they bad, were wrong though. to They're either wrong or bad. <laughs> so I think they were wrong to vote the for bad Donald people. Trump for president because I think that the effects will in the in all uh, things considered not be good. But I need to be willing to be changed by them as human beings. Mm -hmm. So on Depolarize, the, sh the show that I host, um, one of the things we always say is difficult questions never have simple answers. And when you make and here's why the word is ideology. Mm -hmm. So that that word gets thrown around a lot, but what I mean by ideology is I mean a single lens through which to view the entire world that is dogmatic. So, 
Yeah, that's right. I don't know if that word gets defined that often. I'm going to look at the what definition. I mean. You keep talking. Okay. I'm curious what so, it is now. I don't know the definition. You, you're probably right on. That's what I mean by ideology. So like Marxism is an ideology, which basically says all of the world's problems can be encapsulated by looking at class and money. So, so any every, ideology is by definition uh, simple. Yeah, it has to be. Or something. So Nazism. Here, here, here's what I got yeah. here. What do you got? A system of ideas and ideals, especially one that forms the basis of economic or political theory and policy. And then the other one is yeah, the, the science of the study of their origin of nature of ideas. But so a system I'm, of ideas and ideal. It's a system Yeah. for a way. It's, it's, a, it's a, a, a template. So technically, Isn't everybody has an ideology. I, I guess I'm using it in its more um, stringent and kind mm -hmm. of authoritarian kind of sense. Like National Socialism in Germany is an ideology that says it's a system and template, though of how yeah how, it is basically that you yeah, adopt and, instead and of coming so, to a conclusion on every. It's a shortcut. Yeah, basically, it, it's a it's a lens through which to view everything in the world and have an answer for it. Mm -hmm. And here's the problem: when you really commit to an ideology, people become secondary. And you say, well, look, we know the answers. If people can't get behind this, then they're impeding progress or they're impeding the good. Yeah. And so they have to be removed. Yeah. And you ask yourself, why has communism over the last 100 years, uh, I guess 120 years, killed 100 million people by its own leaders? Because it's evil. Right, but there's... But evil through sure. what lens, right. right? Evil enacted how? Evil being possible because killing is required to uphold the system that mm -hmm. explains the world. And so my thing is, as much as you might fear Trump or love him, as much as you might fear or hate liberal protesters, whatever, any time that you write off an entire group of people and you you subhumanize them, mm -hmm. you demonize them. You're on the you're on the road to serious leftists or Trump voters, right? Either way, Either one's the other, and here we go. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And so it always has to be a movement toward greater complexity and compassion. And so, but the compassion is almost automatic if you just see yeah. complexity. Compassion will almost yeah, sure so. to follow. Have you ever been anywhere and like traveled and said, "Oh, wow." I guess I get that now. Oh, you can't say, you know, I've spent time with these people in this place, and I guess you can't say that about them, but that's only because of a person, because uh, I had dinner with them that I can say that, yeah. you know, or whatever. And that's, yeah. you know, that's when people talk about you want a broad set of experiences. You should try, you know, those kinds of things lend to that very, very well. They do, yeah. And then, of course, there's another kind of travel where you just you just brag about it at dinner parties mm -hmm. and stuff, and you don't learn Well, just expose but. you to a broad set of experiences period yeah i at think least i think if you that, pursue compassion you'll end up with complexity and if you pursue complexity you'll end up with compassion probably oh that's Either a good way, way to put it too i think they probably interweave yeah yeah so i'll next week we can talk about how it went at the uh at the yeah i'm interested rally. to see and just to close that up you think it's worth your time to go to a march like just one less person i don't see why it matters like i i well, um i think about this a lot and i don't know you know, I haven't done a ton of protesting. I, I've done some phone calls and letter writing, and uh, I'm a part of a small group of friends, like about 15, 20 of us that meet every six weeks and just decide w what we're going to do politically, which is also like hmm. just a cool community. That makes a little sense. You know, I also get to spend time with people like 
like and care about and who I disagree with yeah. and and um but you know I I do think that the tax the taxes thing is like right up my alley it's like something clear but you think your mathematical participation is worth your time even it's just it's like I don't know I mean like it's possible. I like it as I a mindset. Like that makes sense. Like I'm involved. We talk about this. I've just made the conscious decision that in my lifetime I'll be involved, and that should result in a lot of benefit. Now, of course, today do I go to this march or not? Seems absolutely nonsense. But <laughs> from my point of view, but but in the, it's in the, the small final amount of things, things sustained over time that always make every difference yeah. for your involvement, your connection to it. Like it'll it'll pay dividends in some other way if you behave this way as an active participating person in the system for over time that is a great idea i, I obviously didn't that i didn't get hillary elected in nevada yeah but i really valued the experience of going around and seeing these neighborhoods in reno and talking to people and having conversations with people i would not run into mm-hmm. i mean it, it's a catalyst for political involvement can be when it's good a catalyst for just like a diversity of human interaction yeah and, you know, I don't know, who knows what my role will end up being at the protest, probably very small in all likelihood. And I'll stand there with my flag and a couple of people will look at me weird and maybe I'll get into a few conversations. So the American, oh, sorry, that's the last thing I want to say and we'll get out of here. Yeah. But uh, uh going to have barbecue for lunch. But you take the American flag, the, the people, the lefty people will think, what are you, some uh, nationalist patriot up in here? Yeah, but you people, think that that will speak to people's elephants to show that, look, I love America too, man. I'm with you. And uh, yeah. I, think, let's, I, I you, think that's adding a layer of complexity. Not only will it speak to people's elephants, especially people on the right, it will mm-hmm. speak to their elephants, but it's also just accurate. Like, yeah. it's it's stupid. Um, it would be stupid for the American flag to be co-opted by one political party in a two-party system. It's done. Uh, you, you don't. You can't let that happen. That's why I say yeah. about language and bad words and words being off limits. I'm like, if we all back out here, and nobody's brave to wear that flag or to use this word that we know is okay. Then it's just going to be co-opted by the the worst people, and then it's off. It's all. It takes people to be brave in the middle and fight for that. And so, no, no, we we like yeah. America. I mean, um, the American flag means a lot of different right. things to a lot of different people, uh, but it is the symbol of our nation. And if freedom of oppression, you could say, is like the main reason that America, like the main principle America was founded upon, well, I think I'd like to make sure we're not being unnecessarily oppressed by wealthy Russians or the Russian government. Uh And there's a pretty simple way to give us some more clarity about that. So I don't know, you know, it's not like he's going to release his taxes because I went or something. I'm not going to be the... The, the hair that broke the camel, the straw broke the camel. Well, you back. might want to just value the fact that you, you know, just the value you may bring to the other people by carrying the American flag that are there. What might be an influence in the world that's positive. If, that's my if hope. nobody on the other side even sees it. I might You're be adding there. a layer of complexity to people on the left. A little I bit. might need to fuck up some uh, anarchists yeah. and, and sit on them until a cop can get there. I mean, you may who have knows? to. I don't know. Maybe I'll be there as a self policing force, a pretty big guy. Um, I don't know, but I. I don't. I don't think there'll be a lot of anarchists no. at the tax day march. It's a little too nerdy. And, and when is it this weekend? Accountant, like, yeah. So it's it. Uh, you can look it up. Tax march, Seattle. Just Google that. I think it starts at 10 a.m. on Second Avenue on in like Pioneer Square this Saturday, Saturday, the 15th on tax day. Okay, cool. The well, you tell me about it next week. I'll tell you about it next week. How it went. All right. Thanks, Dan. Thanks, Matt.
Okay, so you guys know the label and you love the bands and the music, but the tooth and nail thing is much bigger than that. Now, the independent music scene has always been fueled by word of mouth, and with word of mouth comes stories and rumors and all the lore that make up its culture. But we were literally walking to Taco Bell to get food, and he just stopped off in a dumpster in the Taco Bell parking lot and was like pulling food out. So no doubt, you've heard rumors and some of the stuff that goes on behind the scenes and some of the stuff that's happened to the bands on the road, but how do you know what's true and what's not? Chad said, Chris, come with me, grab your acoustic guitar. And I didn't really know what we were up to. And he kind of threw me in this tent and there was people there. And I said, what am I doing here? And he said, well, you're going you're gonna to play dashboard songs. People are going to love this. So join me, Matt Carter, and Toby Morell from Emory. And so trying to find them and meet up with them and get a hold of them was just unbelievable. And Aaron Lunsford from As Cities Burn. You're going to come on tooth and nail. You're going to be the next under oath. It's going to be awesome. We're going to investigate the stories. There was a point in time where I was getting Bible verses yelled at me, and I just thought, this is ridiculous. At that point, I was like, let's go home, because this is not where I want to be. And we talked to the artists. said, like, I could leave if you'd rather. (laughs) (laughs) We talked to the A&R guys, the tour managers, the producers, everybody involved. And I'm like, am I the only one who's hearing this story right now? Am I taking crazy pills? Like, why don't you just (laughs) borrow someone's cell phone? So we're excited to announce labeled the stories, rumors, and legends of Tooth & Nail Records. Season one is coming soon, so subscribe right now on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts, and you can just search labeled or Tooth & Nail Podcast. See you soon. You've been listening to the Jabberjaw Podcast Network, jabberjawmedia.com. Hello, and welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo, and for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book, and together, we summarize the story for you. We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. Our ninth season is coming this fall. Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey there, I am Johnny Christ from Avenged Sevenfold, and I've got a podcast called Drinks with Johnny you're going to want to check out. I sit down with a bunch of different people from all different walks of life, from professional wrestlers to actors, comedians, fighters, musicians, everything in between. I'm just looking to make some friends and have a good time doing it. So if that sounds like something you're into, go check out Drinks With Johnny, streaming everywhere now.